Hello, everyone. My name is Suki Thompson. Welcome to Reset, the podcast, a place for you to get some inspiration and advice to help you live a more fulfilling work life. I do hope that your journey to feel more connected, more inspired, just a bit more energized starts here. Take a moment now with me to reset. Usually when I'm talking to Artur Sadoun, Chairman and CEO of Publicis Group Worldwide, we discuss the international marketing and communications industry and business in general. But today is a very different conversation because Artur shares with me an open and honest and very vulnerable account of his journey with cancer. From how it was discovered, how he felt through his treatment and the challenging navigation and decisions around how, who and when to share the news with his loved ones, with his company, the PLC board and client and business networks. You will be drawn in by Artur's charming, kind and entertaining personality. And that's before you even hear about him talk about the incredible campaign Working With Cancer, which he has launched to address the stigma of living with a cancer diagnosis at work. Did you know that 50% of people diagnosed with cancer are afraid to tell their employer about their diagnosis? despite 92% feeling that support at work positively impacts their health. I know that firsthand. And so I'm delighted to be working with Artur and his team on this very, very needed campaign. And he explains how easy it is for every business to sign the pledge and get involved. Cancer really does affect us all directly or indirectly so I'm sure this will resonate with all of you. I am really grateful to Artur for sharing his personal story and even more for launching this brilliant campaign. He is in so many ways an extraordinary man. If you find this conversation inspiring, please forward it to your colleagues. And if you can sign the pledge, that would be even better. Many thanks. Bonjour, Artur. So good to see you today. Bonjour, Suki. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, I am, you know, it's so funny, isn't it? Normally, we meet each other. We talk about marketing and communications and the industry uh, and business. And today, we're going to have a much more personal conversation that's very personal to you and actually very personal to me. So, Thank you very much for being here today. I'm going to try my best. I'm not very good when it comes to personal, but this is for a good cause. So I'm going to try my best. Well, do you know, I think we'll both try our best. And I think, uh, you know, it's a great place to start, isn't it? Because we are going to talk about cancer. Um, You were first diagnosed with cancer in March 2022. So it's almost a year anniversary um, and we're going to talk today quite a lot about what you've done since then and the amazing campaign 
uh, and program that you've launched and the pledge for so many businesses worldwide. Um, but let's start a little bit with you. You know, we don't know each other hugely well, but I've met you several times. You are, for me, a kind of archetypal Frenchman. Good looking, <laughs> charming. You run this big communications group, quite private. Um, you know, we spoke during lockdown. What was it like to suddenly get that? I don't know. I, I don't even know how it happened. How did you find out you had cancer? Uh, I was in New York. Uh, I was having a lunch um, that was very boring, actually. <laughs> and so I put my hand like this, so they can't see it. But I got my hand just, you know, taking my, my, my head like this. And I felt a small thing just, how you call that in English? Just in this like place. Like the side of your neck? Exactly. And just a small thing. And so uh, and then I continued to be bored in my lunch. And uh, we left <laughs> the lunch with Carla Serrano, my head of strategy. I said, Carla, I've got this strange thing. Could you look at it? So she put her head and finger here. I said, yeah, you, you need to be checked by a doctor. Well, I started to freak out a bit. I went to the office, to the agency again, where we were preparing a pitch. I guess I asked all the team to check it to see if they were agreeing with Carla. And everyone told me that I should <laughs> go to a doctor. Uh, so we went on to the pitch. We pitched. And then I went to take back my flight to Paris. I came back to Paris and, um, you know, First part of my luck, as we are well connected here, I had an immediate scanner and uh, we did a couple of scanners in a couple of days. And, uh, and, and you know, the feeling uh, is at one point they say, okay, so it's cancer. Uh, we don't know what kind of cancer, but it's cancer. And uh, we're going to need to take a while to know exactly what it is. And so they continue to do some searching and they were not sure if it was HPV, which finally it was or something else. And I say, you know what, let's not wait. Let's go through surgery. And maybe this is an advice I can give to everyone who's listening is that uh, sometimes you have to take your own destiny into your hands and don't trust the doctor too much. I felt that I didn't want to test anymore. I wanted to remove what was supposed to be a cancer and then exactly see what it was, which is what they did. And uh, it was long and it was painful. It was a four-hour surgery. And at the end, there were good news and bad news. The good news was it was HPV, which is, I can come back on that later if you want, but it's yeah. something where the prognosis is excellent. Uh, the bad news is that they thought I had to go through a preventive treatment to make sure that it should not come back. That was pretty heavy because it was a radio plus chemo uh, during seven weeks. So uh, that's a, a long story short, but that's roughly um, how I got into this world. And, and, and to come back to your question on how I felt, you know, it's... Uh, and it's the, uh, the origin of what we have built with working with cancer. Uh, when you hear uh, those three words, uh, you have cancer, you immediately shift uh, from the world of the strong to the work of the weak, whether you want it or not. In the world, there are the people that are in good health and the ones that are not. Yeah. And so I remember myself just talking to the doctor. I was going to the swimming pool as I, I do every Saturday and Sunday. And uh, so I heard the news. I went swimming alone to, to reflect on it. And I left and I went back with my bike to, to my home. And I was seeing people in good health. And I said, now I'm part of another world. And I guess this is what you have felt also. And what everyone that went through that is feeling is you are, you are somewhere different. And, and maybe weak is a, weak is a strong word, but it's part of it. And I, I could see easily how you can lose confidence. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, 
That's interesting, isn't it? Which was, so presumably you told your family and friends first or your family? Because I, I think part of understanding about, for me, working with cancer is part of that process that you go through. Because I think it's difficult if people haven't been through it to no. understand why it's even difficult to tell maybe your family, let alone your workplace. I mean, the, the taboo around cancer is so strong. Cancer means death for many people. Well, we know that in most of the cases, you won't die, by the way. Mm. But it still means death. And by the way, HPV means sexual relationships. So yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 believe me, it's a big taboo. Death on one side, sexual relationship on the other. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the way I handle it is I, I kept it for me and my wife um, um, until we knew exactly what it was. Which, by the way, was a very tough time because my wife is a journalist, so she has to go to Ukraine uh, during uh, at the beginning of the war, the, the week, wow. two weeks before the beginning of the war, and as you would remember, it was also the time where um, we had this big question about what do we do with Russia as yeah. as a business. So it's uh, yes. everything was at the same time. I had my wife in Ukraine. I had to deal with uh, our own people in Ukraine, and uh, what do we do with Russia? And I was waiting for for news in the middle of that. So I didn't put anyone into the into the mix uh, until I. Uh, 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 apart from my wife until I knew exactly what it was because I wanted to be reassuring to my family. And then came the question about should I keep it for myself? Yeah. I, my family and, and the very inner circle or should I make it public? Yeah. So tell me about that decision. I mean, I know you've talked quite openly about, you know, you, you run an enormous company. You couldn't simply disappear. I think people would have, will have acknowledged it and known it. So in some ways... Uh, it would have been more difficult for you to hide than perhaps some others. But that's still a very challenging conversation because you could have said all sorts of things. You didn't necessarily have to be open and transparent about it. What made you decide to be very open? No, you know, I was I was in a position where I could have had it in the sense that I, I have continued to work uh, during all the process. I never stopped working. What I couldn't do is traveling. Uh, yes. which means that I would not meet my teams and not meet clients for a couple of months. But honestly, between COVID and hybrid, I could have yes. justified the fact and uh, you know get some makeup at the end and I could have gone away. The reason why I want to do it is uh, I want it to be transparent, honestly. And, uh, and, and it's even more than that. I didn't see myself lying to everyone because I would have had to lie. I would have lied to my people, to my clients, to my shareholders, by the way. But more importantly, to my people here, yeah, because I could have avoided a few clients meeting for for two or three months. It would have been okay, and the rest doing by teams. But uh, and uh, don't get me wrong, it was a very difficult decision to take. First, because when you do that, you expose your own family. Yeah, so that's very personal. But uh, I've got an um, I've got an old mother that is sick too and stupid, but she, she it would be in the press and she would you know she would have her friends coming to her. And for me, it means a lot. It's, you know, it's, there is nothing tougher than having a kid that is sick, even if the kid is 50. And so uh, these are things that are difficult to live with. Uh, and it was also difficult professionally because, uh, uh, in a way, you, you expose your own vulnerability, mm. which at the end of the day um, happens to be a strength. But at the beginning, you're there and you say, OK, I'm going to say to everyone in my company, to the competition, to the market that I'm sick. And uh, 
you never know how this is going to end up, although it should be positive. So it's a, it was a very difficult decision to take. And honestly, most of the people told me not to do it. Most of the people being my comms people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And why did they, that's so interesting. Why or did they say don't do it initially? Uh, but, 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 so, you know, they, first of all, they started to look at cases of who has revealed this cancer. Yeah. No one did over in the public company. So they say, if no one has done it, is, there is a good reason that. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> it struck me like, uh, as, as I am and I've always been, by the way, I like to do things differently. So I thought, ah, maybe there is something, there is a path here that I like. Uh, but, but because, again, you, you, uh, you expose your company and, and, and yeah. whether you like it or not, uh, the people that, that love you will suffer from it. Yeah. And the people that dislike you may take advantage of it. Yes. And I think so. That's the bits interesting, you know, for, you know, for me, I've run small companies, but two things have happened when I've had to have a conversation about uh, cancer. And certainly the first time, because it was at the very beginning of Oyster Catchers and, you know, like you, a lot of support and so different from your story because of just the huge job that you have. Um, but loads of people super, super supportive. But one of the things that I did find was people would be, oh, you've had a cancer diagnosis. So they ask about how they can help. And then because people don't really like talking about cancer, they stay away. And actually, if you're running a business, the thing you want to say is, look, uh, it's nice to care about me, but actually I, I want to look after my people. So the best thing you could do is to give us more work. You know, actually not not giving us work is the worst possible scenario because I'm here trying to get better. Every I've got to feed all these mouths. I wonder, do you, did that happen to you on a, on a bigger scale in any way? Was, was there any of that sense of feeling of that? Yes, it, it did definitely. So I had the same feeling. But honestly, Suki, I think it was more difficult for you than for me because the bigger the job is, uh, at the end of the day, the less important you are. You see what I mean? No, no, no and oh. I'm not saying that to be nice. Uh, is I, I really meant it. I mean, I've been, uh, first of all, I've been running smaller agencies, uh, although they were part of big groups, but I've been running my own business in Chile also a long time ago. So uh, again, it was a very small business, but still, people depend on you more than they depend on me. If I die tomorrow, of course, it creates a problem. I'm supposed to incarnate a big publicist. I've got a good relationship with client. I know that a few people are here because they like to work with me. But I'm not indispensable. The, the, when the company is smaller, uh, you are even more indispensable when the company... I really think that. Mm. The symbol you're presenting is way higher because, of course, it's, it becomes very visible. And uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, for sure, but I, I really mean that. And this is why I did what I did with working with cancer, as we're going to come to that later, is it is way tougher to go what I've been through when you are either managing a smaller structure or you are still early in your career. It's way easier to have a cancer when you're 51 and you are already the CEO of an holding company. And so where your career is basically in, behind you, okay? Then when you have a breast cancer at 35. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to, you, and, and, and again, the reason why I've been doing what I've been doing is for those people more than anyone else. Is for the one that will get a cancer in their lifetime, for them to understand that not only they need to be supported in the workplace, and I guess we're going to come back to that, but even more importantly, and this is why I'm happy to talk to you today, this is not the end of anything, except if you're not lucky enough to pass through it. 
but most of us are passing through that. And once you do, not only you are stronger, but life can actually be richer. Yeah, yeah, and we will we will come and talk about that. So, look, you, uh, the, the stat is, and you talk about it in your campaign, and, and we know it is one in two people will experience a cancer diagnosis in their lives, which means that if you're one of those two people, that's really hard. But if you are a carer or somebody who knows or loves somebody, so I get that kind of does impact everyone. And as you say, I mean, in some ways, you know, it's amazing that you work the whole way through cancer and your treatment. Um, I've, I've done pretty similarly throughout my 13 years. But actually, sometimes that's not very helpful to hear for other people because they feel like they have to be as amazing as you. So you're not only an extraordinary person, an amazing individual, but you've managed to go through a cancer journey and you've carried on working and you're okay. Um, so for some, I think that, I mean, it's hugely inspiring and I don't mean it not like that, but I think what you're doing for those people that, that, that find it's a difficult conversation, but also have you come across people who have just said, do you know what? I just can't work through this journey either. I mean, uh, first of all, uh, we are talking now because uh, a bit of my fault and a bit of your fault, we had to delay this conversation, but uh, I'm supposed not to talk about me anymore. Uh, I did it to launch, no, no, but because I'm coming back to your point, this is uh, not something personal. And my case is not the right case. Uh, I've been inc- I've been incredibly lucky. Uh, they found it very early. Uh, the prognosis was very strong. I've been incredibly well cured because, of course, I've got all the connection. Uh, to be clear, and I've been supported by my family, by my friends, by my colleagues, and by my boards. Okay, and six months later, it, I was off the road, back feeling very good. I still have a small cellular issue, but apart from that, I feel better than I was feeling before because I sleep a bit more, I eat better, and I travel a bit less. So it, I, I feel 10 years longer. So what I don't want is people to think that I should be the example. I am not the example. I, no, no, but I'm very serious. I, am, I have been incredibly, you can't be more lucky than what I've got in this process. What matters are the testimonies that I received. And the testimonies that I received, so to cut a long story short, when I decided to be transparent, I did this film. As you may know, I'm doing a lot of films. I think it's a good way to communicate for good and bad news for anything. <laughs> Not always, people. I, I've got the stats. Sometimes it's only 20% of the people. I was going to say, you got a lot of people watching this. <laughs> On average, it's sometimes it's 20, sometimes it's 60. This one went pretty high, by the way. But I did this film and I started to receive thousands of emails, not only from people from publicists, but outside of publicists, always telling me the same thing. And this is what people that are listening to to us needs to understand. People that were thanking me for my for my transparency, but this is not what matters. It was people that were telling me that when they, they hear those three words, you have cancer, first they were scared for their life because of course you are scared about dying first. But right after, they were scared for their job. They were scared to lose their job. They were scared that they won't be promoted again, as we discussed. They were scared only to disappoint the people around them and be perceived as a burden. And in consequence of that, too many of them decided to hide it. And I've been reading things, Suki, like, you know, ladies that will take holidays to have breast surgery, 
men that will get their um, radio on the prostatis in the morning early and then go to the office, or even worse, and this is the most heartbreaking because I guess this is the toughest thing in life, uh, uh, people that had kids with cancer and decided to hide it from their workplace because they didn't want to look weak. But this is what matters. It's not my example of, you know, getting through cancer in six months and uh, making a mountain out of it. It's about those people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's thousands of people. And there's going to be even more in the, in, the, in the future. And this is where we collectively have to act. It's for those people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, c- completely. I mean, I do think your story is really helpful because, as you say, when people hear you have cancer, they automatically think they're going to die. And they can be like you. So that aside, I completely agree. So the campaign, the program that you're doing, um, working with cancer, and you've got some amazing. So you've, I, I think, my understanding is you you've launched it in the UK, in the US, in France, with some of your extraordinary clients. You know, like McDonald's and AXA and Bank of America. Um, but tell us about the campaign and the pledge in particular for those people that are listening, because I think, you know, it's great to say, right, we need to do something. But I think and the conversations that I've had with Magnus and the team was, OK, but what are we going to get people to do? So overall, what working with cancer is trying to do is to erase the stigma and the feeling of insecurity we talked about for people with cancer in the workplace. That's what we're trying to do. Because what we're trying to fix here is a perception issue. And again, we are all working in business where perception is a big part of what we do. So we definitely all have a role to play there. And instead of words, we have decided to take two very concrete actions. Action number one uh, lies on this statistic that 50% of the people diagnosed with cancer are scared to take to their boss that they're actually sick which again is crazy when you know about it because most, if not all of the company today have great measures for chronic disease in general. But they are scared for the reason I explained. They are losing confidence. And so what we decided to do is to do this pledge uh, that you can work, that you can find on the workingwithcancerpledge.com uh, that is actually inviting any CEOs to really stand together to provide, I'm reading what is in the pledge, to provide a more open, supportive, and recovery-forward culture at work for all employees with cancer, okay? And so it's a very simple pledge. You go on the website, you sign it, you actually put the measure you are taking if you want to. If you don't want to, you're not obliged. But what you are saying is, I'm the CEO of company X, or I'm the head of HR of company X, and I can tell you that anyone that works in company X will actually be supported. And by the way, the caregiver also, during this period. That's it. And what has been amazing is that we decided to launch this pledge at the World Economic Forum, yes. uh, which was, by the way, I mean, I'm used oh, to pitch. I've got to talk about Davos in a second. Okay, yeah. so I'll keep Davos Absolutely. for later. Absolutely. We'll come on to that I in keep a second. Play, I keep later and Davos for later. Yeah. But, uh, but I said, okay, it would be good if we can come with Davos because who are we publicists in Davos? We are a small company compared to those guys, let's face it. I said, it would be good. Uh, if we can have a few partners uh, that can follow us from day one. And so I personally sent email to like 40 companies in the world 
And uh, we had a Doug McMillan from Walmart that came back two hours later. We had Chris Kempiski from McDonald's that did the same. Brian Moyan from Bank of America that actually invited me uh, to, to, to present in this session in Davos. And uh, we had all, I mean, if we take our industry, we had all the tech. You know, we had Google, Microsoft, Meta, Adobe. Uh, we had John Ren, who answered also in less than 24 hours. IPGs that followed also. Yeah. And, um, and, and so actually we can even divorce with already 40 companies. But, but, but what it shows, which is important for, for who is listening to us, is that if the biggest private employer on the planet, which is Walmart, can sign this pledge in a couple of hours, it means that everyone that cares even a little about his own people can do it. And this is what I hope people will do after this, is to make sure that they will join this pledge because it is important that our industry rally uh, this cause, I guess. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, it, and it is amazing. Tell them that was one. Now I can tell you about the second thing we did, but that was the first thing we did. Okay, that's the first thing. All right, well, look, let's go on to Davos and you're actually doing that because, you know, how fantastic you could launch it there. How did it feel? And I was in... I was having a lovely holiday with my mum in Galapagos, but I thought about you all a lot on that particular day. But tell us about what it was, who was in the room. What did it feel like for you? It was horrible. <laughs> it was, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been in this business for a while now, 25 years. When I started, I was an entrepreneur in Chile before. So being in a room with clients was very new for me. And I was freaking out every time I had to. But then with the time, you get used to it. And at one point, you start to enjoy it. You know, and I, So it's it's something that I'm very, very used to. I felt like the first time I was presenting something. Did you really? Was, yeah, because it's, uh, it's, first of all, it was something personal. Yeah. And second, the audience was crazy. I mean, I had the top 200 CEOs in front of me. Uh, it was it uh, it was at the IBC. It was thanks to Brian Moyan, by the way, the CEO of Bank of America, that invited me into this meeting. So we had the top 200 CEOs, um, uh, and um, and um, it was a two-hour and a half session. The first hour was about Europe and the war in Ukraine and the impact on energy, with a few prime ministers of Germany and other countries. Then uh, they had a climate change uh, session for an hour with people like Al Gore, and then they were me with my cancer stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you are the worst and the worst if you want the anecdote is that uh, 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 where, where I'm not too bad on stage is when I can present with my brain with Carla Serrano and the two of us have a good have a good show that we put together and they said no 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 this one you have to do it alone and I was like and so Carla was on the back looking at me like this and uh, and uh, and it went very well actually. Uh, but again, I, I, I really stressed for forty eight hours. It went very well because I started by by the context. I said, you know, we've been talking about uh, the war in Ukraine and the impact on Europe and on the world. Uh, we have been talking about climate change. These are two very important themes. Uh, but there is another one because cancer again is having an impact on the world now. And I started with the stats. And it was great. I mean, we had a fantastic feedback, honestly, amazing. And um, I think the reason why we did uh, is twofold. Uh, first, everyone felt concerned in a way or another because we all have our own personal story. Most of all, when you're turning 50, which is most of the people in the room, 52. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, second, what I think is great about working with cancer and that hopefully everyone will understand today 
is that it's a very, very big thing uh, that could be resolved with a small lift. It's not, I mean, we n- we're not going to fix climate change over uh, a year. We could resolve that over a couple of years. And again, it's a problem that everyone will be confronted with, and that is a huge topic in the agenda. And we can we can collectively have an impact on many people's life just by making sure that they feel safe in the workplace and that we raise the taboo of, of cancer. And 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 I went very fast. I, I I had 15 minutes. I did it in 10 on purpose. Wow! Because wow. it's a simple message. I know I knew everywhere. Believe me, <laughs> I prepared yes. pretty well. But yes. uh, but I didn't want to take too much of their time because this is a simple thing. It's it's it, it's it's a, it, there is a huge ambition, uh, but uh, with a simple action to change things. Yeah. And so not only they all signed in the room, uh, we're already at three hundred or four hundred uh, signature, and but then the echo on Davos during the week has been amazing. So that that was good. But it was uh, honestly it was a tough moment because. Uh, Again, you, you don't think about yourself when you think in this case. You think about all of those people that have written to you and you have one chance to get an impact for them and it was that day. Yeah. Yeah. And it was I was in a I was on a boat in the middle of Ecuador. Um and then when it came back on, because uh, we had no internet, and we came back on and then all the PR and I was hearing all the uh feedback from the session. So, you know, again, it, it seemed to well, it did for all the right reasons you talk about. It resonated with people. And I think in a way, you know, some of the chief execs I've spoken to have kind of gone, do you know what? I don't even know if we have a policy. Oh, we must do. We must have something. Oh, what have we got? And then actually there isn't anything. And I think so your point has been to almost hold up a mirror to say, look, this is something we can do about. And actually many of us just haven't thought about it. Yes, but it's it's more that than anything. And by the way, again, it's in in most of the cases, uh, it is already part of everyone's policy. You'll be surprised to see the kind of partnership with clinics and stuff that are being done every, everywhere for most of the companies. So it's really a perception issue. And then it's a commitment. I mean, to give you an example, uh, we have roughly uh, six thousand suppliers at PBCs. Uh, this needs to be signed by all of our suppliers starting the 1st of July if they want to work with us. Yes. It's part of our our ESG strategy now. And uh, uh, we believe that uh, we want to work with partners that have the same value as we do. So if you want your contract to be renewed or if you want a new contract with us, you will have to sign our pledge. Brilliant. Gosh, that's an amazing thing to do, Artur. Um, it's a simple other... thing to do, Suki. This yeah, is what, what, that simple, can, that can produce know. an amazing result. You see what I mean? This is what I really like about it. Yeah. It's a very simple thing to do. Is that the only thing we're trying here is, I mean, if you work at Omnicom or IPG today, you need to know that if you have a problem tomorrow, if you get cancer, if your wife gets cancer, your husband gets cancer, your kid gets cancer, you're going to be supported. And you should talk. Because by the way, what you should know is that 92% of the people that have said to the employer that they've got cancer consider that it has helped them recover. I know, which is the irony, isn't it? So 50% won't say, but 92% say if they talk about it, it really helps them on the on that journey. Yeah. So and so course. if you go, if you go even further in the stats, if you go even further in the stats. As we know that roughly out of the one of two that we get diagnosed with cancer, 40% are during the time that uh, they will be working. 
Okay? It means that statistically today, you have one person out of 10 in your office that are directly or indirectly getting cancer and uh, are hiding it from you. It's, the stats are, and you say, you know, if you can resolve that, yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a huge thing. One of the other challenges that, um, you know, having having spoken a little bit to companies is the, the CEOs are going, yep, completely agree. Um, and by the way, you've written to a lot of them. A lot of people I spoke to, they go, oh, yeah, Artel's written to me. So that's good. Um, you know, so it really is you. It's not just your team, although you've got an amazing group of people working with you on this. Um, there's one thing the CEO going, yep, this is really important. HR saying, yes, it's important for us. But the, it's often difficult for companies to get that connection between the two and to make the pledge. Have you got any advice to companies listening or to HR people um, to actually make it happen? Yeah, go directly to your CEO. I mean, the reason why we're such a transformation right at the beginning is because I went directly to CEOs. And and the one that are the one that have the right value and are decisive will sign, sign immediately. And um, uh, every time you go too low in the organization, it's easier to say no than to say yes. I mean, it's true for everything. We live that on a daily basis on our own business. Is that the lower the level, the, the more difficult it is to say yes. And so, uh, the, and again, I, I did that at the beginning because I wanted to make sure that we have a bulk of clients that, and partners that will be joining, or competitors, by the way. Uh, but now it's extending through the entire organization. And the advice I can have for everyone is this has to be played at the, at the top level because it's only a willingness to take a stand uh, for your people. And this, it, it's only this at the end of the day. It's just saying, I care and I will do what is necessary. And and the higher you go in the organization, the easier it is to go. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and then um, you personally, and you, you you talked about saying your story and feeling vulnerable. One of the things that we talk, I talk a lot to leaders about, because they have, you know, not many have this kind of story or the challenge that you've got, but a lot of them are just trying to talk about being a little more vulnerable internally. And, you know, it's not a it's not a big story like you. They just find it hard opening up. They find it hard talking about themselves because if you said, you know, um, they live in a world where it's been important to be not show that vulnerability. What advice can you give to leaders? How can you help them talk about things, even if they don't have a big story like having a cancer journey? First of all, I know I hardly do. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's, again, it's way easier when you're in my position than in any. We had this. Uh, we have these ladies at the HR of uh, LVMH uh, that was part of the breakfast we had on Thursday in Davos a couple of days after. And she stood up and she said, "You know, when you work at LVMH, uh, the way you look is very important, and so but, uh, very important. And so being sick and losing your hair is definitely something difficult." Uh, but, and by the way, they were one of the first, Bernard Arnault signed the pledge immediately also. They were the first to sign it exactly for this reason, is that it's true that the way you look matters in the luxury business, but this is not something that matters the most, and more importantly, this is something that you can overcome. And so she, was, she, she went incredibly with this incredible story about how they're helping people that go through that, not only to recover, but continue to be promoted. 
that was very strong, but it's a very difficult thing. Now, my advice to everyone is I think that showing your vulnerability is actually a strength. I think you never lose about it. You actually don't. And and, and don't get me wrong. It's, it's not like if... It, I mean, what I can wish to everyone is to be healthy and never go through what I want, huh, to be clear. But if you have to, you better be transparent. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think you will win more than keeping it for yourself. And what is certain, by the way, because it's medically uh, proven, you will feel better. The support of others means a lot. I mean, for me, honestly, when I made it public, so it was a very tough decision again, as I told you, and I hesitated a lot. And so I sent the film. I was saying, shit, am I doing the biggest mistake of my life? And then looking at the support I immediately received from so many people, mm-hmm. uh, it it's it helps you already. You see what I mean? It's yeah. it's the support of others means so much. And even though and you've been through that, even yeah, though Yeah, and you know incredibly, but sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 just saying oh, you're absolutely right. And for me, because my journey's been so long, you know, the one of the last times I was just it wasn't I even didn't want to talk about it because I was embarrassed or I was worried. I just was like, I just don't want this to happen again. I don't want this conversation again. And actually, it wasn't until I had to open up. Of course, Let's Reset were amazing. You know, it's a lot what we talk about. Centaur were amazing. The other companies I'm involved with. And and I, I was kind of like, I can't believe I even talk about this. I teach this. You know, we, we do workshops about it. But it still doesn't mean that it's easy or that we don't always follow our own advice. Um, look, uh, we're almost out of time, and thank you for sharing so much with us today, Arthur. Just a what, couple more things. The second one, the, the second to last question is: um, post-traumatic growth is a psychological term that is often used for people who've been through um, a very difficult trauma. Um, and for some people, you know, this is a devastating scenario, and their life is not better for it. Um, but for others, and I feel this really does apply to you, they have a sense of growth. They have an increased purpose. They do things they haven't done before. You mentioned it at the beginning. Um, you know, you said you're a little bit healthier. You're a little bit lighter. You get a bit more sleep. But what else has happened? What what else has happened to you as you look back and reflect over the last year for you personally? Yeah, I mean, first, as you said, the key is very important is that there is not one case that looks like the other. So uh, it's, uh, again, I've been incredibly lucky, but, you know, it's funny because um, um, before starting my chemotherapy, there is a special doctor for that. So I went to see her. And so I was a bit like, uh, I mean, mean, honestly, I went into the treatment thinking that it's going to be easy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think, ah, if you think you're going to get me with radio and chemo, they got me. Believe me, they got me. It has been hell. But at the time, I didn't know, but I was still a bit depressed. And so I went to see her and said, I've got two good news for you. And believe me, at this point, you know that. At this moment, you're really looking for good news because it's not like they are coming um, uh, flying. You know? And uh, I said, yeah, what? She said, first of all, with everything we're going to put in your body uh, through the chemo, and the fact that we're going to follow you very closely after, you have actually less chance of dying from cancer than someone normal. Well, someone that didn't. I said, okay, maybe. I don't know, maybe. And I said, well, so what is the second thing? The second thing is, she told me, after what you're going to go through, you're going to, life, you're going to see life differently, and you're going to see it in better. And this is true. 
Yeah. This is definitely true. If you look at a year a year ago till today, the my perception of life, the distance I'm putting into things, the pleasure I've got, just not to suffer in any way, make me a different person. Uh, so am I working less? No. Am I less competitive or committed? No. But I'm. I have taken distance on things that makes me enjoy life way better. Because again, and you've been through that. I I, I went through hell. Huh? I mean, it's uh, the treatment has been hell. Honestly, and by the way, it has been longer than expected. I was normally the treatment was supposed to be finished like 10 or 10 days before Cannes. I was saying, okay, good, then I'll be in Cannes in great shape. Uh, it took me a month more to recover. And uh, by the way, see where the noise of the one that you don't like started to, um, to come. And um, uh, and uh, but once you're once you're done, when when the pain is over, first of all, you forget the pain pretty fast. Yes. And second, if you take a step back and you realize what you've been through, you you, you incredibly enjoy life more for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I agree. I think in many ways it's a I'm not sure you can call it a gift, but in some ways I think it is. It is a gift. Yeah, it's a big question I've got, honestly, as we are discussing is I have difficulties to know if net it is positive or negative what I've been through. I mean, my wife will tell you it's definitely negative. <laughs> because again, the people around you that love you are at the end of the day the ones that suffer the most. Uh, but uh, no, today, as I told you, I'm eating better. I'm sleeping a bit more. I continue to exercise every day. I do just one transatlantic. So I've got to stay two weeks per month in the US instead of coming back for the weekend. But who cares? I'm spending the weekend there. And uh, I physically feel better than a year ago before I went through that. Yeah, which is which is amazing. Um, and then just finally, Arthur, you're putting $100 million behind this campaign. Uh, you've talked to all the media companies. You've had amazing support. Um, what does excellence look like? What does the final place for this look like? Uh, uh, first of all, I'm not putting anything. Huh? It is uh, it is our media partner that did that in an incredibly generous way. It, they have been amazing. I mean, what I mean, you would you would have seen uh, the, the Times Square a couple of weeks ago. Uh, even the other day, I was in you know, to see a movie in Paris, um, which is a blockbuster at the moment, and uh, you had a film before. It's like it's, it was amazing. And so they, they have been doing a, a, an incredible job, and I'm so grateful to everyone in the UK, in France, and in the in US. Um, second, you won't change, change us, is that uh, we believe in the power of creativity. And um, if you look at the work we have been producing, uh, and coming back to your question, uh, I think that it will definitely do one thing, which is make everyone realize that cancer is going to be part of their life, directly or indirectly. And they better support the people that are touched by it and be there for them in the workplace. And uh, I think the message is going through at the moment. And uh, and 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 hopefully uh, every day, thanks to that, uh, there will be more people uh, going back to their um, employers and saying, "Oh, I need support." And we'll have more people in the workplace that will support uh, people that are here. And again, it's a very simple thing that can fix a very big problem. Mm -hmm. And and maybe I'll end up with that. The, the reason why I feel so good uh, about it is that, uh, uh, you know, everyone talks about CSG. And uh, at the end of the day, what matters is to have an impact. And I think that we are having an impact here. Thanks to our creative firepower, thanks to our media partner, 
and thanks to the fact that we are very connected with many clients and competitors and partners that can join. And this is where we have leverage as a team to make a difference. Yeah, well, do you know what? I am so glad that you are the champion of this, uh, Artur. You know, you've always got such passion. Uh, the seventh need that we talk about is having a sense of purpose. And I always felt like you have a sense of purpose around your business, but I think you have a real sense of purpose about something that really impacts us all. Um, thank you for spending time with us today. And uh, whatever... No, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. carry on doing to help and support you. Thank you so much. Merci, au revoir. Thank you so much. Thank you. Au revoir. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Reset the Podcast, I'd love it if you would forward it to your work colleagues, friends and family. Reset the Podcast is a Let's Reset and Advertising Week global production. Executive producer is Richard Larson, with me, Suki Thompson. Thanks to our sponsor, Liars Non-Alcoholic Spirits and voiceover artist, Talitha Penny. Music provided by Audio Network.